Hi, I'm Dr. Michael Wesley, Senior Pastor of Greater Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. Our mission is to reach, teach, and baptize throughout the world, beginning in our community, fulfilling the Great Commission by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit until Jesus returns. That simply means we're here to reach irreligious people and turn them into lifelong devoted followers of Jesus, equip them for a place of service in the church, and send them out on a mission for Christ in the world. We're glad you're with us today. I command blessings on you and your family today. Encourage the brothers a little bit there. Amen. They did a great job. Giving us a little Christmas spirit, if you will. And a little tradition. Some of us, it took us back. <laughs> Before we were Christian. <laughs> Some people closed their eyes and forgot where they were. <laughs> yeah, so y'all better stop that. <laughs> If you have to say, come to Jesus in a minute. <laughs> amen, amen. We're delighted, though. It's good to have fun. It's good to enjoy the worship opportunities and to be a part of what God is doing. I want you to join me now in a moment of prayer as we ready our hearts and minds for the message for the morning. Father, we thank you for this great season. We understand what it it really is about we do enjoy the traditions but we enjoy the deep meaning of the spirit as well 
We thank you for this day of worship. We thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the songs that have gone up, scriptures that have been read and prayers that have been offered to cover us. And now, Lord, we need a word to help us to live, to understand, and to grow on. So I pray once again that you would lift your human out of self and fill us with your Holy Spirit. Speak to us and through us in this moment. Allow the light of your word to shine upon the truth and we'll have understanding and live better. Bless the words in our mouth and the meditations on our heart that it may be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. We ask it all now in the name of your son, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I want to continue where we started last week in the Gospel of John. We're looking at chapter 1. Last time we looked at verses 1 through 5. The focus, sermonically, will be on verses 6 through 13. But we're going to read it all because I like for it to be set in your mind as you hear the connection of the passages. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not, not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the word of God for the people of God. Today the series is Who is Jesus? But today's installment is the divine light. Jesus is the divine light. Now as we look in the gospel of John, we see John opening the gospel with three metaphors or word pictures that he has used as titles to assign to Jesus. Last week, 
we said John used the title, The Word. He could have very easily wrote, in the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. But instead, he uses the title, The Word. And in that passage, he goes on to say, not only was he the word of God, because Jesus spoke for God. He spoke creation into being. And when he came to the earth, he spoke only those things that he heard his father say. So he was and is the divine word. But we also noted in the text, in verse 4, John said, in him was life. So we talked about Jesus as being life. He is the life giver. He is the source of life. And he gives us not only physical life, but he is the giver of spiritual life as well. And we're covering this because I believe that there is a tremendous need among us as people to know who Jesus is from a scriptural base that makes a difference in our approach to worship our desire to hear and to learn and to grow we've got to understand that this Christmas season and the Christmas message is more than about a baby because I think that's why there's anemia in our lives weakness because if all we're doing is worshiping a baby we don't try to draw strength from a baby we want to give the baby strength and guidance because what does he know he just got here but if we see Jesus as our creator, our maker, our giver of life and sustainer of life, we will know that we can have someone who has all that we need. So not only did John say he was the word and the life but also now picking up in verse 6 and going forward, John reminds us that he is the light. Now, that interested me because whenever we take these terms from everyday life and apply them to Jesus, we have to look beyond the surface to see what God may be trying to get us to understand. Now, light, as you and I understand it, are illuminaries. They allow us to see. We think of light in terms of static or stationary position. See, they are on now. And we go to the switch, we can turn them off. 
And we think that that's what light is. We either see or we don't see or we don't see as well as we used to could. Some of y'all know what that means. (laughs) And so we think of light like that. But when we go to the science, scientific world, and we look for the scientific definition of light, we find that it is not stationary, static light. Life, light is a wave of energy that moves so fast. It moves through the universe at 186,000 miles per second. And when that wave of light comes in contact with our human eye, we have a portion of our eye that's called the retina. And when that light contacts the retina of our eye, it opens up for us understanding. We are able to see colors. We are able to see objects. We're able to understand the world around us because we're no longer in darkness, but we can see clearly what's in front of us. Well, if that's true in the physical world, what Jesus does with this wave of energy that he brings into the earth. And it comes in contact not with our retina, but with our souls. He opens up and allows us to see everything that's in the spirit realm that has been hidden by darkness and shadows and types and we're able to see clearly what God would have us see and when we look at the scripture passage that is under examination this morning when we find ourselves allowing the energy from Jesus to shine on us we see five things In the realm of the spirit. We see and gain a clearer understanding of the role and place of ministry. The second thing we will see, we will see the very nature of who this invisible God is. Who Jesus is. We'll see the sinfulness of our own sin life and nature. We'll see the nature of us as believers and we'll see the glory of God, the grace and glory of God. So can I show it to you? You got your eyes on? John starts this thing in the realm of the eternal. He says, in the beginning, when the beginning was, the beginning of time, before the beginning of time, in the beginning of time, there existed an eternal one. 
and he was called the word. And that word pre-existed because he already was there. And he was with God. He coexisted right beside God. A distinct second personality that was distinct from God. And also a one who was self-existent because no one made him. No one created him. He was self-existent. Now, he comes to this sixth verse and he shows us the created one, one that's born out of time. He said, there came a man whose name was John. <laughs> now look at what he do. He's comparing what was eternal. Beginning was the word. Word was with God. Word was God. And now he's saying, there came one that was born on this side of creation who was a man, and that man had a name, and his name was John. Now, I want, you to, I want to distinguish for you the different names of people who were called John. There's John, the writer of this book, St. John, who himself was one of Jesus' apostles. That is not who he's talking about. Whenever the name John appears, it's always somebody other than the writer. The writer only identifies himself by calling himself the disciple whom Jesus loved or the beloved disciple. So he never calls himself John. So in this book, we know it's not John, the writer. The other John name appears toward the end of the book, and he his name is mentioned probably three, four times. And he is the father of Peter. And that's the only place his name is mentioned toward the end of the book. So we're not talking about him. This John then would be John the Baptist. Not because he was a member of the Baptist church but because it had been his occupation as a man from God to baptize people and carry them through some type of ceremonial cleansing, getting them ready for the coming of Christ. And so because he was out in the wilderness dipping people in water, they shortened it from John the Baptist, from John the Baptizer, and just he became known as John the Baptist. And so that's who is speaking here. Now, who is this John the Baptist? He was, he was one of the, let me just put it like it first, he was the last of the Old Testament prophets. Even though he lived in the New Testament, there had been no word from heaven for 400 years. So he's the last of the prophets. He is the one who has the unique responsibility. Jesus said he was the greatest man to ever live up to that point. Because of the unique position and privilege that he had. And that unique 
position and privilege was to be the only one to introduce Jesus to the Jewish world at that time. And the text says of him, there was a man sent from God. Now, how was he sent? He was, he was sent in a divine sense that he was prophesied about in the Old Testament. In the book of Isaiah, in the 40th chapter of Isaiah, the prophecy is made concerning the ministry of John. That he would be the forerunner, one to come before who Jesus is. He's also prophesied in the book of Malachi, which is the last prophet. And he says before the coming one, there will be one, and that was John. Not only was he sent from God through prophecy, he was also born miraculously. John the Baptist had parents, and they were old. They were 80 plus. Zechariah was his father, and Elizabeth was his mother. And Elizabeth had been barren for all of those years and could not have a child. But God supernaturally opened her womb so that she could bear this particular boy who would be the forerunner of Jesus so he was supernaturally sent, not only from prophecy, but the miraculous birth. And then he was sent to be the introducer of Jesus. Now, what that does, by Jesus coming and John the writer mentioning him, he shines the light on the spiritual meaning that we need to draw from what ministry and witnessing is all about. The term witnessing is a court term. And what this writer John is saying is this man, John the Baptist, was sent by God into the courtroom of the world to give testimony as to who this is that is called the light. And, and, and guess what that does? What that means, what, that, what we need to draw from that is by John being singled out as an example, he becomes the mark for all Christian ministries and all Christian witnesses. So what are we to do? We are to give testimony in the court of the world concerning Christ. That's what Christian ministry is supposed to do. And, and, and you can see yourself from looking around in the world today that people are doing everything but shining the light and giving testimony concerning Christ. They're shining the lights on themselves. They're shining the lights on buildings. They're shining the lights on the entertainment. They're shining the lights on the money. They're shining the lights on the bling. They're shining the lights everywhere but on Christ. 
And, and the problem with that, look now, why was John sent? There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same, meaning John, came for a witness, to be a witness in the courtroom of life, to bear witness of the light. Why? That all men through him might believe that the, the power that would come through his witness pointing people to Jesus would cause other people to believe in Jesus. So, so let me, let me, let me, tell me, let me, you think this was limited. Paul writes later in Romans uh, chapter 10. He said, brothers, my heart desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. He said, I bear them record that they have a zeal for God, but is not according to knowledge. And they being ignorant of God's righteousness have gone about to establish their own righteousness. And, 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 and so though he goes on and said, then, how then, later, can they believe in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear unless there be a preacher, a witness? And how can they witness or preach unless they have been sent? No wonder he says, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. So John became the witness and he became the model for Christian witness, and the light is being shown, being shined on what churches, individual members, preachers, true people who have been called and sent by God. What is it that we're to do? We're to testify as to who the person of Christ is and to give evidence that he is the Christ. And when that happens, what will happen to people? People will believe in him and people then can be saved. So if the preacher's up here talking about everything but Christ and pointing you to everybody else, ain't nobody going to be saved. Now, that, was, that was a little church, man, not long ago. That was a little church and, and they wanted to get a new piano. They got one to get a new piano, man. They, they, they raised money, they got the piano, but some of the folk were disgruntled. And the first week they came, the piano was on the stage, and folks fussed about that piano being on the stage. And, and, and the next week they came, the piano was gone. And nobody saw the piano. The piano was gone for, for eight months. And you know where they found that piano? They found that piano in the baptismal pool. Golly, you missed it. Because they were so busy arguing and fussing, wasn't nobody baptizing, wasn't nobody being saved, wasn't nobody being brought to Christ because they were lost in what they were doing. But John clears it up. He says that when Jesus came, he shines the light on what true Christian ministry is all about. And true Christian ministry is all about testifying and giving evidence that Jesus is the Christ so that people who hear it can believe it and people who believe it can be saved 
and can have a relationship with him. So that's the first thing we see, that Jesus is the light. He shines the light, and he calls a witness, John, who becomes the model for Christian ministry. But that's not all. The second thing that, that he does here, he says, he was not that light. John, he's talking about John the baptizer now. John the baptizer was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. John never got it confused. He knew he was not the Christ. He understood that he was just the introducer. He's out in the wilderness and he's screaming to the top of his voice. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's out there screaming. There's one coming after me. The latchet of whose shoes I'm not worthy to unloose. And when he comes, he will baptize you with fire and with the Holy Ghost. And one day they were... They were, they were John's disciples were talking to him, and they said, John, you know that one you testified about and when you were out there baptizing? Well, he didn't start baptizing now, and everybody is going to him. So, John, you know what that means? It means your ministry is about up. And John says, you know, I told you I was not the light but I was sent to bear witness of the light. I'm just a voice of one crying in the wilderness to make straight the way for those who are coming. John goes on to say, he must increase and I must decrease. John understood that he wasn't the light. Lord, help us today in Christian ministry. There are people who got the Messiah complex. You got people who think that they are it. You got preachers who think that they are the Christ. And they are not the Christ. We're not professional counselors. Some of us may have some exposure and experiences that others may not have. But the primary role is to be a witness. The point to who he is. You know, we walk around sometimes, some people walk around like we got wiggles and Holy Ghost and they can't hardly stand to be around other people and it's going to contaminate their holiness. Shut up. <laughs> Just be a witness and tell the truth about who Jesus is. Point people to Jesus and your work will be done. You following that? Look at the second thing here in verse 10. He was in the world, meaning, meaning Jesus, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. Wow, wow. He was in the world. He made the world. So, so look at this. Look at this. What, what is it showing? It's showing the very nature of who this was that was the word in the beginning. See, God has always been here. God was here. Somebody had to create it. Christ was always here, but he was invisible. And no one could see. No one could understand. He was shrouded in mystery and shrouded in types. 
God made it clear from the beginning, Adam and Eve, look, you're going to have to have somebody to die for you. Your fig leaves are not going to work. An animal is going to have to die so that you can benefit from the animal's blood to be covered and the skins can be used for your garments. But that was just a type of who Christ would become. In the Old Testament, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, and they were out in the wilderness, God hovered over them like a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. They knew it was divine presence, but they could not see who it was. And in the Old Testament, when they got to the Jordan River and got ready to cross over the Jordan, Joshua was now the new leader. And he looks as he's doing a reconnaissance mission around Jericho and he sees a man who's dressed like a captain. And Joshua asked him, are you with us? Are you with these other folk? And the man said, nay, but I am the captain of the Lord's army. But Joshua could not see his face. All of these were pre-incarnate appearances of Jesus. But John said, the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we eyeballed him. We beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father. So what does Jesus do? He becomes the visible, the seeable image of the invisible, eternal God. He was in the beginning. He was with God. He was God. And when he showed up in the manger, he took on flesh. And John said, and we walked around with him. We were on the Mount of Transfiguration when he stripped back his flesh and we saw the divine nature of who he was. We saw the divine nature when he went to the cross. We saw the divine nature when he got up out of the tomb. We saw saw the divine nature when he walked through the door Easter night and he showed us his hands and, and, and Thomas had to cry out, my Lord and my God. We saw him. What had been invisible became visible. The God of mystery and the God who was clothed in types, bulls and goats and lambs and rams became flesh. So what does he do as the light? He shines the light not only on what Christian ministry ought be, but he shines the light on the nature of who God really is. God has been around. People always wanted to see him. Christ showed up, and John said, he is. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But there's a third thing that Jesus, as the divine light, shows. He was in the world, he says, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own, Received him not. Wow. What is that? John shows us that when Jesus came into the world, the light revealed just how sinful man really is. 
just how sinful. Now, people have always known that they were sinners, okay, because God made it clear, okay. When, when he gave Moses the law, he said, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. And every time thou did, they knew that they, they had broken God's law, and they knew what sin was. The prophet Jeremiah made it real clear. The heart, the human heart, is deceitfully wicked. Who can even know it? God said, God made it clear. We are so messed up that we don't even know how messed up we are. But even that didn't show us how bad off we really were. It's one thing to reject the word that was written on tables of stone because people could say, Moses, you just put that down. We don't know where that came from. It's another thing to reject prophets who came and said, return unto me and I will return unto you, saith the Lord. And people rejected the prophets. But what shows the sinfulness of man and how messed up we are, Jesus himself came down through the generations. He took on the likeness of sinful flesh. He showed up. He announced that he is the Christ. He came unto his own people, the people of God, the people who had the Old Testament book, the people who read that somebody is coming, knew that somebody was coming, and when he showed up, they looked at him and said, you crazy. Now, when did they do that? When he started preaching. When did he start preaching? Right after he was baptized. He picked up the scroll in the synagogue in his hometown of Nazareth where he had been raised. And he started reading, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he, God, hath anointed me, Jesus, to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to set at liberty to them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he said, hey, brothers, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, he said, I am here. I am he. And you know what they did to show you how sinful men are? They picked up rocks. And they said, you crazy. How in the world you think you God when we know your mama now? We've been living in Nazareth. You've been living in Nazareth. We knew you were a young boy in a carpenter's shop. But that's the part that they knew. But the other part, they didn't know. They didn't know that when the beginning was, he was the word. They didn't know that he was the one that said, let there be light. And there was light. That he was the one who scooped up the dust of the ground and formed it and blew into it. And man became a living soul. He didn't know. They didn't know that he was there maker, their creator, their giver of life, their sustainer of life, and that he would be their sin bearer when he would go to the cross. But to show you how sinful people are, the Jewish people in that day rejected Jesus as their savior, as their messiah, and they still do. 
I was looking the other day on television, and they had interviews with Jewish rabbis here in this community because they were talking about how anti-Semitism has risen in America and what they thought could be done about it. This is probably the second, third day of Hanukkah, Hanukkah, where they light the lights. And the Jewish rabbi, he was read back, oh, we're just going to light our light and we're going to go on. But nothing about Jesus because they don't accept him. And, 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 and they reject all of the New Testament. And I'm not trying to put them down. I'm just telling you that this shows how sinful people are. But they are not the only ones, brothers and sisters, who reject Jesus. Week after week, people come into church. They hear the message of Christ. And yet, they reject Jesus. People still don't want to make him Lord of their life. People still tell him, get lost. People still tell him, I don't want to hear it. I'm living my life. I'm doing my own thing. I'm having my fun. And I don't want to hear about what I ought not be doing. And consequently, you see every day the sinfulness of people in this world because we are still rejecting Jesus. Now, let me give it to you another illustration. I'm going to have to run. But I just, I just hate it, man. They asked the former president the other day, say, hey, man, are, are you planning to be a dictator when you become president? And he said, oh, no, not me. But, yeah, on the first day. And, 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 and that's just amazing that people can tell you who they are. And people still can't see it. And people still won't believe it. You got folk lined up all over this nation. They hear the testimony. They've seen the activity. They've heard people say the second term, if there be a second term, is going to be full of revenge and hate and all of those kinds of things. And yet people are lined up. Over here, Jesus is saying, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And people are saying, I don't want it. Get back. Keep your life. Keep your love. Keep your sanctification. Keep your salvation. And all it does is show the sinfulness, the deep depravity of the human heart. But that's what he came to reveal. He came to show the nature of Christian ministry. He came to show the nature of the Son of God. He came to show the sinfulness of man. But he also came to reveal his true nature, the nature of the believer. Even though the Jews rejected him, verse 11 said, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. But verse 12 Said, but that didn't stop him from still giving out invitations. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. See, everybody didn't reject Jesus. Old songs say, I came to Jesus just as I was. 
weary, wounded, and sad. And I found in him a resting place, and he hath made me glad. Is there anybody here this morning who's glad that you came and look at what he does? This is the nature of the believer. Who are we? Are we just religious people? Are we just churchgoers? No. The Bible said we are children of God. We are sons of God. And that means something, baby. I grew up in a Wesley household. Well, it wasn't much to the Wesley family, but whatever little bit it was, we were instilled with a pride. That was an understanding that when you leave this house, don't you embarrass me. Don't you make me look shame. Don't you go out there and live no any kind of way because you represent me. And if my mama and my daddy could say things like that, what does God say about who we are? Don't you go out there and live any kind of way. Don't you go out there and embarrass me. You live a life that's right because you are children of God. And how do you get to be children of God? This is the last thing. shows you the nature of God. Verse 13. Those who believe in his name are the children of God. How did you get to be there? Because God has this kind of nature. Because you were born, that we're born again, born from above, not of blood. Your mom and them didn't get you in this. Your family heritage can't get you into this. Nor your self-effort. See, the will, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but God, but of God. Because God decided that one day you'll hear the word, and one day the word would penetrate your heart, and that he would throw his loving arms open, and you would respond. You would fall on your feet, you would fall on your face, and you'll say, Jesus, I love you. You'll say, Jesus, save me. And somebody in here know that that's what you said. Somebody said, listen, I'm tired of it. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within. I was sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry and from the waters lifted me. Now safe am I because God reached his loving arms. The lifeboat was coming. And the Lord threw a lifeline out for you and you took a hold of it. And because you took a hold of it, Jesus brought you on in. And because he brought you in, he dusted you off, brushed you off, stood you up, put a song in your heart, put clapping in your hand, put running in your feet. And now you can't help yourself because you know you've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. You've been washed, you've been cleansed, you've been changed. The angels in heaven done shine my name. I know I've been changed. I know I've been changed. The angels in heaven done sign my name. Sign me up for the Christian Jubilee. Write my name on the roll. I know, I know, I know, I know. 
the Lord has lifted me and I can't help myself. All I'm trying to be is just a witness. I'll stand in the courtroom of the world. I'll stand in the church house. I'll stand in the governor's house. I'll stand in the White House. I'll stand in my own house and look at my own children and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm a witness. My soul is a witness. Is there anybody here who's a witness today? Because the light of Christ has shined on you. And now this little light of mine. See, I'm not the light. I'm just a reflection of the light. I'm a derived light. He is existing light. And because he exists, he shines on me. And now I bear the image of him. And so I want you to know he is the divine light. And because he's the divine light and came into this world, he's made it clear things in the spirit realm. Ministry is a spiritual enterprise. Christ is a spirit man. Sin is a spiritual condition. Salvation, children of God, is a spiritual state for those who believe. And the will of God is the very presence of God given to those who would live and love and accept what he has to offer. So I still want to make the offer today. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. I want to tell you, he will save you. He'll pick you up. He'll change you. He'll turn your life around. He'll clean you up. He'll make you brand new. He'll do it. The door's open. Doors of church open anytime during the song. Give God your heart. Give one of these your hand. And let's begin a relationship. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus.
save that which is lost and God loves you so much I don't want you to go through this season with a wrong understanding that it's about the claws or it's about reindeers or it's about the presence of the trees or it's about the babe it's about the savior it's about the creator it's about your God who became a human being so that he could identify with you and you could identify with him. And he would give you life and life more abundant. That's what it's about. Hey friends, this is your friend again, Dr. Michael Wesley, Senior Pastor of Greater Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama. And I'm back again to talk about this book. We've introduced this book to you before and we wanna tell you a little bit more about it today. We want to talk today about the impact that materials can have. All of us are impacted by something. We're impacted by experiences. We're impacted by things that we have heard and seen and experienced in our life. And this book 
really shares a lot of the impact that has been made in my life through 48 years or 45 years of being married, 50 years of being with the same lady. And I tell you, when I first got married, there were a lot of things I just did not know. But over the years and over the times, I've gained tremendous insights. And I've written down those insights and made them available in this book. Friends, in addition to the book that we have been discussing, So You Want to Be Married, I've also been fortunate enough to share insight and impact through other books that we have written. The first book that we ever wrote was When God Changes a Church, It Becomes the Church for the Unchurch. The second book is a very important book, Pathways to Church Growth, Reaching the Unchurched. And the third book, Everybody Deserves a Good Funeral. I've seen so many funerals, I've participated in quite a number, and there are mistakes sometimes that are made. This book gives great insight and comfort to those who are going through the process. And finally, the book that we're featuring today, So You Want to Be Married. Follow the prompts on the screen and find out how these impactful books may also impact your life. Friends, this is Michael Wesley, Senior Pastor of Greater Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama. We really appreciate all of the love and support that you have shown to us through these broadcasts. We've been hearing from people and our friends all over, and we want you to pray about being a supporter and a prayer partner and a supporter of this television ministry. If you believe the Holy Spirit has ministered the Word of God to you and you'd like to see this ministry continue and to share it with your friends, please consider being a supporter. Follow the prompts on the screen. We would love to hear from you.